Welcome to Walking by Faith. We hope that today's message will encourage you to walk more like Jesus in your life. Jesus loved everyone and he calls us to do the same. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on our app. For more content, visit our YouTube channel and be sure to like and subscribe. We live in a polarizing and challenging time in history. There are so many things that divide us and it can be so easy to forget that we are all human beings who deserve to be loved and respected. In today's sermon, Pastor Jake Blaukamp will talk about the importance of loving people well. He will answer some questions on how to be a Christian and love people who are in the LGBTQ plus community. Let's get started with today's message, The Love of Jesus. Here's some statistics for us as we jump into this conversation. Um, according to a Gallup poll, um, 20% of Gen Z, which is roughly 14 to 25 year olds, um, 20% identify as LGBTQ+. So for out of every um, five 14 to 25 year olds that you'll see, one of them will be identified as LGBTQ+. That's, that's more. Millennials are about a tenth, so 10%. And it basically halves every generation. And so... What's interesting is that one-fifth of Gen Zers identify as LGBTQ+, yet we don't talk about this issue in a gospel-centered light as often as we should. We either have people who are extremely affirming, or we have people who try to ignore it. Or we have people who, who are very adamant and very intense in the debate. And I would just like to offer that I think that the message of the gospel is the perfect message for any group of sinners. The, the message of the gospel is perfect for anyone who might be searching for truth. And Jesus Christ is our Savior, not just ours, but the Savior of the whole world. And so as we jump into this as well, I have another study I want to reference. I think it helps frame our conversation. A study from, um, his name is Dr. Andrew Marin, did a study with a progressive, uh, a, a progressive researcher, and did a study also at the same time with a conservative Christian researcher and doctor. And so they kind of collaborated to try to attempt to have an unbiased sample size of the LGBTQ plus community as it relates to church and religion, specifically Christians. And so what he found was that 83% of LGBTQ plus people attended church growing up, 83%. He also found that 51% of those people left their faith community after the age of 18. Meaning that they grew up in it and they left it. And this is what he found, the last thing, which is the one I want to focus on, is 3% of those people left. The primary reason being the church's doctrine on same-sex sexuality. Let me say that again. 3% of the people, LGBTQ plus people, who left their church left because of the doctrine or what they taught about sex and sexuality. What does that mean? That means that how they were treated was the main contributor to why they left, not because the church held a historic Christian view that sex is between one man and one woman. What's my message to us? What, what am I getting to? How we respond to our maybe kids who are identifying or family members or maybe people, maybe you are identifying as LGBTQ+. How we respond to people that come into our church family matters. They are not problems to solve. 
They are not people to reject. They're people that we need to extend the love of Christ to like anyone else who would come into our church family. And we need to avoid the trap of our culture, which is to view them as a them, to view them as like an outsider. We need to have be people who are like, the gospel is for everyone. Come, let's worship Jesus. Let's learn what the Bible says and let's navigate life forward as we seek to obey Christ and obey the scriptures. Now, that does not mean that we're gonna reach every single LGBTQ plus person, but it does mean that we are building a house of God that people can come and meet Jesus in. So, as we jump into these questions, I, I wanna admit that I know that there are people that are nervous right now, people that are curious because you have family members, you have friends, you have coworkers, maybe you yourself are a part of the LGBTQ community and you're curious how we're gonna respond to this. What I'll say, I'm gonna reference James 4 first. It says this, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace? Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse yourselves, or cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. And I would say this to all of us. Let's be humble in this conversation. Let's be humble. Let's be listeners. Let's, let's show compassion without compromise. But let's be humble. And to those who might disagree with me on this topic, let's be humble. Because the question that we're diving into is, who has the authority? Who gets to determine what is right and what is wrong? Who gets to determine what is allowable and forbidden? Who is our authority? And the scriptures say in Romans 12, it says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There is a current in our culture that is from academia, from Hollywood, from Disney, to, to uh, sports, from everywhere, which is preaching a message of ultimate individualism and relativism that preaches whatever you want to do, you can do it. And we as Christians must ask ourselves, who is our authority? Am I my own authority? Or if I submitted myself, like James 4 says, to God and to his scriptures? Because that's the premise that we're, I'm coming from today is that I'm not coming with my own opinion. I'm coming to this, my conclusions from what the scriptures teach about same-sex sexuality and the issues of LGBTQ+, that are in our culture. I'm coming at it from the authority of the scriptures. Now, some people would call me bigoted. Some people would call me, uh, uh, I hate these people, and I just want to send a message. I do not hate anyone who's in the LGBTQ plus community at all. I love them with the love of God. I have compassion for every person that I come across with. 
But my, the greatest commandment that Jesus taught me was to love God with my heart soul, heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love my neighbor as myself. And what I've noticed in our culture is that we have forgotten the first commandment. We think the greatest commandment is to love people and to be nice. But the greatest commandment is to love God first. That is the greatest commandment, is to prioritize him and his word over everything else, even if it is difficult to swallow. Because this is the question that I'd like to ask us as we're seeking the truth on this issue is, do we believe Jesus's way of life is the best possible way we could live? Do we believe that we are smarter than God? Do we believe that we have discovered something in 2023 that Jesus and the apostles didn't consider? You see, Jude talks about how the faith was delivered once and for all to the saints, that the truth does not change, but that the truth is eternal. We find that truth in the word of God. So as we get going into this, I wanna also read 2 Timothy 4. It says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. There are TikTokers, there are YouTubers, there are Instagram influencers that are, that are sending a message that is the antithesis of the gospel. And the message is this, hey, what do you feel? Do it. The message of the gospel is the opposite. Christ said, I came to free you from your lusts that are destroying you. I came to free you from your sin that is robbing you from joy. And now pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. You see, the message of culture is one of a threefold. It's relativism, which says all truth is subjective. It's from the sexual revolution of the 1960s, which says, if it feels good, do it. And it's individualistic, and it says that I only matter about me. It's me and my life and my wants, my desires, my feelings. You see, this is the culture that we're in, and we have to avoid the conformity of the world and be transformed by what God says in his word. We must submit ourselves. And let me remind you of the promise that if we'll humble ourselves before the Lord, he will exalt us from James 4. So let's jump into these questions and go. First question, should we separate ourselves from family members that are gay? Should we separate ourselves? <laughs> Simply put, no. No. Well, Jake, am I, if, I, if I am nice to them and if I'm friendly to them, am I not endorsing their lifestyle? No. You see, God calls us to have compassion without compromise. He calls us to reach people with the message of the gospel with love and compassion and listening and relating to them. Listen, the most important thing about your gay friend, gay family member, lesbian friend or lesbian coworker is not their sexual identity. The most important thing about them is that they are an image bearer of God that, is, that, that deserves worth, dignity, respect, and love. They are not problems to be solved. They are people. So the question is, well, how do I, how should I respond to my, my uh, cousin who is living with his wife? Should I disown them? 
No, you should love the people. You see, we just we sometimes can categorize gay, uh, homosexuals or categorize LGBTQs community because it's a hot topic. Categorize them in a category of their own. We must disown them, but we don't do that with other categories of sin. And so we have to realize that we need to be consistent with this. Not that there aren't different challenges with this category, but they are still people, image bearers of God, that we need to seek to love and serve as best we know how. Now, I'll admit, we need the power of the Holy Spirit, we need the wisdom of God, and we need the wisdom of wise counsel in how to do that well. I was speaking with a, with a, with a mom right after the first service, and she came up to me and said, you know, we have a, a son who's gay, and he, he's, you know, and, and we, he came out about 12, or like 10 years ago or something like that, and, and they were like, just, we wish we had this message 10 years ago because we fumbled forward in how to love him well, but we've loved him well. We've loved him well through his choices. And so simply put, should we um, separate ourselves? No, I don't think you should. Second question, how should we respond to our son who told us he is gay? How should we respond? So the first thing I'll say here is that just because someone is attracted to the same sex does not mean that they are sinning. Okay, so if, if someone is attracted to the same sex, that is not an automatic sinner who's going to hell. We all have attractions and lusts that are contrary to God's word. Matthew talks about it. He says, if you lust after a woman, meaning if you have imaginations about a woman, you've committed adultery in your heart already. And so it's not a matter of what we're tempted with. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way, and yet he didn't sin. So temptation is not inherently a sin. It is what we do with temptation which makes it sinful. And so if your son or daughter tells you, I'm gay or lesbian, what you need to ask is, what do you mean? What do you mean? Do you have attractions do you feel emotionally connected to the same sex? Is it, it, what do you mean by that? And don't make um, instant judgments on what your son or daughter is dealing with. But seek to listen and understand and walk the journey with them. And here's my, my second um, little piece of advice is it's called your game face, okay? Your kids are always gonna say things to you that just make you like really worried, <laughs> Right? And so we need to have a game face, which is just like, you know what? When my kid tells me something that shocks me, I need to have a calm face. Because when your son or daughter comes out as gay or lesbian specifically, culture has already told them, your parents, if they're evangelical Christians, they hate you, they'll disown you, and you need to separate yourselves from them because they're gonna hate you. And so we gotta be really, we gotta be really dependent on the Holy Spirit to say, you know what? I'm gonna respond with listening, humility, and I'm going to respond with patience, and I'm not going to take it personal. Now, I understand when this happens, it's very difficult for both parties. It's very difficult for, a, for someone who grew up in the church and knows what their parents think about homosexuality to come out as gay. Very difficult for the, for the son. It's also very difficult for the parents. It's very difficult to have, you know, you have your dreams and you have your expectations of what they'll become and when that message comes to you, you, it almost feels like you failed. And I just want to mention that 
It's, it, it's not a matter of failure. It's a matter of seeking wisdom in the moment. Realizing that your child trusted you with that information and now God is saying, now walk with them with compassion without compromise. Amen? So five things that I think you should do if your son or daughter comes out as gay, lesbian, bisexual, non-binary, or transgender. It's kind of like all, like, if your son or daughter comes out and they're a part of the LGBTQ plus community, I think there's five things that we got to prioritize. The first thing is the relationship with your child. You have to prioritize the heart connection. Every child has needs. Every person has legitimate needs of the soul to be loved, to be heard, to be, uh, to be unique, to be affirmed. Not in the form of their lifestyle, but affirmed as a person, included, purpose, rested, safe. And your job as a parent or even a family member is to seek to love that person where their felt needs are. Now, this is the compassion part. The compassion part is to love the person through their journey. Love them. Seek to build a relationship. And remember, the most important thing about them is not their sexual identity. It is that they are an image bearer of God. They're an image bearer of God. And here's a lie from culture that you'll be told or that you've already been told. You have to affirm your child in order to love them. You have to affirm their identity in order to love them. And I'll, I'll just say here that is not true. It's not true. We don't, we don't just give our kids whatever they want. We as parents need to view um, their life from a higher view. And I would say we need to view it from a biblical view and say we do not need to affirm their identity in order to love them, but we need to affirm their identity in Christ and then also walk with them on a journey towards Christ. So that's a tough one because culture is, is very adamant about this. So much to say that the predominant um, counseling advice from the American uh, Psychologist, uh, Psychologist Foundation states that the best practice for a transgender child is to affirm their identity as a parent. They will tell you that if you do not affirm your child's identity, you are pushing them towards suicide. And I would reject this fully, not in the sense that, not in the sense that they don't know what they're talking about, but in the sense of a biblical perspective we have an allegiance to the scriptures and to God's truth opposed to psychological conclusions. And we love our children. We have compassion without compromise. So the second thing, first thing is prioritize the relationship with your child. Do not reject them and seek to connect with them on a heart level. Second thing you should do is know the truth about what the Bible teaches about homosexuality. Know the truth about what the Bible teaches about homosexuality. I'm not, this is not to beat anyone over the head. This is to give a clear representation of what the Bible teaches. Leviticus 18.22 says this, You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Romans 1.26-28 says, For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up the natural relationships with women and were consumed with passion for another 
for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what uh, ought not to be done. 1 Corinthians 6 says, Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of uh, you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Now, I, I share those verses not to beat anyone over the head. I share them to say that the Scripture... The scriptures and the historical church position on this is, is extremely clear. That, that sexuality is designed for a marriage union between one man and one woman. That, that is the scriptural foundation that, that progressive Christians are trying to undermine, but they're, not, they're, they're taking the scriptures out of context. So I could do a whole message. I actually did a whole message on this on a Sunday night. And so if you want to learn a little bit more about that, you can kind of reference it. I think it was back in, I think it was back in February that I did that message on a Sunday PM service. But what I'll say here is though, I was talking to my four-year-old. I have a four-year-old and he asked me this question, dad, why did you get married? You know, kids ask silly questions. And I'll tell you what my initial thought was. But then I, I, I was questioning my response. I said, well, I married your mom because we love each other. So it got me begging the question, what is the purpose of marriage? Because if, if that's the response that I give, then what response can I give to a homosexual or to a gay or to a lesbian couple of of why they can't get married. If it's just about two people who love each other, then why can't we support gay marriage? And it got me begging the question, I think we need to have a more robust answer to why people get married. I think we need to have a more biblical response to why God created marriage. And that's my first point, is that God did create marriage. The state does not license marriage. The state can give you tax benefits, but the state cannot license marriage because God created it. In Matthew 19, it says this. Let me pull up my verse here. In Matthew 19, I will find it. It's going to be on the screen. And he answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Well, therefore God is joined together, let not man separate. So what's the point? God joins male and female together in marriage, and they become one. It says what God has joined together, not what the state has joined together, what God has joined together and so what's my point? What is the purpose of marriage? I'll give you a de quick definition. The purpose of marriage is to represent the covenantal love of God on the earth. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians 11:2. God speaking here. For I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. God's covenantal love for humanity is imaged or it is represented in marriage. 
This is what it says in uh, Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So marriage is an institution God created to point humanity to the covenantal love of God. And so when my four-year-old asks me, Daddy, why did you get, why did you marry mom? My response is because God loved us so much that he gave us this gift of marriage so that we could show you what God's love is really like. We can show you that marriage is till death do us part, that me laying down my life for my wife, my wife laying down her life for me, and two totally different people, male and female, are gonna come together as one. It's a picture of God. Think about how much different God is than you. Think about how much different different God is than you. He is infinite, omnipotent, omniscient. He knows everything. He is all powerful. He created the universe. And it says this, that he wants to become one with you. And so marriage is two different people coming together as one, pointing to a creator God who says, I'm different than you, humanity, but I want to marry you. We're called, the church is called the body of Christ. It's not a religious term. It's, it's, we are called the, the bride of Christ. It's not a religious term. It's because God's love for us is represented in marriage. Now, some of you are saying, okay, Jake, I get it. That's idealistic. 50% of marriages in the church um, end in divorce, and we've all been divorced, and my parents were terrible. They didn't even like each other. They yelled at each other. I saw no love of God in my parents' marriage. And this is what I'd say. Never get your theology from human weakness. Do not ever come to conclusions about what is true from what you see in sinful humanity. You see, the reason God sent Christ to earth was to show you what love was, to show you a better way, to empower you with his spirit, and to tell you that there is a way that God intended for you to live, and it is by following Jesus Christ. We find truth not from human weakness and feelings and emotions. We find the truth from the person of Jesus Christ and what's revealed in the scriptures. Remember we talked earlier about authority. The, the safest place we could ever be, no matter what your temptation, what your struggle is, no matter what you're going through, is submitting yourself to God. It's saying, I, God, your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your ways are higher than my ways. Your word endures forever and I will trust you. You see, American culture tempts us with this carrot that goes right in front of us to say that you can be your own God, that you are smarter than God. And I'm telling you, you are not. Jesus' way of life is the best possible way that you could live. Third thing that I want you to consider if your son, daughter, or family member came out as part of the LGBTQ community. Remember, first thing, prioritize the relationship. Second thing, know the truth about what the Bible says about sex, marriage, and sexuality. Third thing is do not underestimate the power of the gospel. God does not want to turn gay people straight. He wants to save sinners. He's not saying, oh, let's work on them to see if they can be heterosexual. No, God wants to save people. I was a heterosexual sinner. There are people who are or homosexual sinners. There are people who are greedy, people who are jealous. God did not come just to save one class of people. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And the truth is that our world, not all sinners of, of all sorts, they are lost children. And the power of the gospel is what gets them back. 
It is the message that Jesus Christ, his love that is unmatched in all of the human history came to save you from sin and to save you from destruction. Do not underestimate the power of the gospel. Lori Krieg, who is a, um, who's an author and who really has a podcast and really talks about LGBTQ plus issues. She is same-sex attracted, and this is what she said. She's a Christian. I was transformed not from gay to straight, but from enslaved to my wants to surrendered to the only one who could truly meet my core needs. This is the power of the gospel, is that we who are wandering lost sheep find the shepherd who can truly lead us. You see, we think we know what's best for us. And I'm speaking to heterosexual, I'm talking to all of us. We think we know what's best. But the truth is we are all without Christ, sheep without a shepherd. And we are heading towards the cliff. But praise be to God that he sent his son, that we would have the image of God on the earth to show us a better way. The fourth thing I think you should do is pray a lot. Pray, get on your knees. And the the fifth thing is if you do have someone um, in your family and you're looking for help and you're looking for support, seek help. Seek Christian counseling. But I do want to put a a little asterisk here. Not all Christian counseling is biblical counseling. Just because someone claims to be a Christian counselor does not mean that they will be the best resource for your child or for you. There are Christian counselors in our city who are gay and transgender affirming, meaning that they will push your child further into the LGBTQ plus community and they claim to be Christians. So you need to be very careful about what type of counselor you send your kid to or you send yourself to. Uh, Next question I want to get into is, if I disagree with same-sex marriages but love the individuals, should I attend their wedding? Simply put is I think I have... uh, there are people I highly respect on both sides of these issues, or this issue. Meaning, I know people who I highly respect who say you shouldn't attend. And I know people that I highly respect in the Christian leadership community, pastoral community, who would say that there are situations that you can go to gay weddings in support of an individual and not the relationship. But what we'll say here is that we might say you have some liberty or some Christian liberty. But I would say, don't ever make a decision on this issue because it is a critical issue. It is delicate. Do not ever go without praying. And do not go without seeking wise counsel on what you should do because every situation is unique and every situation is delicate and we need the guidance of the Holy Spirit in all of these issues. Uh, Next question. Our teenage daughter states she is non-binary. She wants to change her name and to be referred to as they, them. How do we be countercultural, love her, and not dishonor God? Now, these are hard to answer because every situation is unique. But kind of a principle that I would would propose to us about these types of uh, issues relating to non-binary or um, transgender or any of these other issues, my, my encouragement would be to ask questions and to not be so quick to come down hard on a child, but to seek to understand what they mean. What do you mean by that? And then help navigate their emotions, feelings, and and urges, and help navigate them towards Christ. But not bashing them over the head with the Bible, but to instead walk with them on a journey to, to discover what God's design for gender and sexuality is. 
Every situation is unique, but I did want to take this opportunity to talk about gender uh, briefly. So our culture is telling us that gender is a spectrum and that there are more than two genders. And simply put, I will read Genesis 1.27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So this is the part where I would say we need to have compassion, but we need to not compromise. God has told us in his word, in Genesis 1 and Matthew 19 and also in Ephesians 5, that God created humanity fearfully and wonderfully made male and female. That God created people not on a gender spectrum, but he created people um, sexed and it is binary. And now, I know what some people are going to say, what about intersex? What about all these other issues? I don't have time to go into those today. Great um, opportunity for you to email that so that we can have a conversation about that. But simply put, God in his word has told us that he has created them male and female. Now, for those that do have gender uh, uh, dysphoria who claim that their inner reality is someone of the opposite sex, They're not people to hate. They're not people to have pity on. They're people to be loved and say, let us walk with you. We are not gonna bash you. If you have gender dysphoria or if you claim to feel like you are in the wrong body, listen, reach out to your savior, Jesus. He knows you better than you know yourself. And he has rest for your soul that that this world cannot offer. And he knows what you're feeling. He wants to get in the fight with you to walk you towards the God who created you. It doesn't mean that you will not suffer, but if you humble yourselves under the lordship of Jesus and his word, it may not be easy, but it will be worth it. It will be worth it to follow Jesus. You see, the culture will send you a message that you're perfect the way you are, transgenders, heterosexuals, no matter what, they'll say, you are perfect the way you are. And the truth is, is that we're not. Is that sin has stained us. The heterosexual who's addicted to pornography, the couple who is living together right now, not married, having sex, sin has stained and corrupted our conscience. And we need a savior who can make our heart of stone a heart of flesh. And it is not by your good works It is not by your striving. It is not by your own wisdom. It is not by your your education. It is not by your wealth. It is only by the grace of God through Jesus Christ that you can be saved and live eternally. And so to someone who has a daughter who is non-binary and wants to be referred to as they, them, I would say our compassion needs to be connected with them on a heart level, but we cannot compromise how God sees individual people. Now, this is going to make people very angry. But God has made each person fearfully and wonderfully. He has determined and said that I've made you male and I've made you female. And as parents, this, is, this takes so much wisdom from the Holy Spirit. It takes so much grace. But we need to see our kids as how God created them. And it is not hateful. And it is not dangerous to not affirm a child's perceived gender identity. Now, we need to walk this carefully with wisdom, but it is the right way to go. Now, as it relates to coworkers or relates to other relationships, I do think there is some 
liberty in what you do because we're not seeking to come out and trigger everyone and offend everyone. We're not trying to offend people. We are having compassion without compromise. We need to be unrelenting in our love for people and unwavering in our stance for the truth and of the gospel. I want to thank you for being with us today. And I simply want to ask you this question. Are you right with God? You know, you may be away from the Lord and you may know in your heart, I'm not where I need to be. I'm not living right, not doing right. I am not living for Jesus. And you say, I want to be forgiven. I want to be right with God. I want to pray with you right now. I want you to bow your head and pray this prayer with me. Just make these words your own. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. And I believe he's coming again. And today I receive the forgiveness Jesus purchased for me. And today I surrender my life to Jesus. I hold nothing back. And I thank you, you've heard my prayer, that I'm forgiven, that I'm a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that from your heart, God heard that prayer, you're forgiven, you're right with God. But I want to help you keep growing spiritually. And so I have a book I want to give to you absolutely free of charge. It's called Your New Life. It's full of bullet points to help you keep growing spiritually. All you need to do is get online, download the book absolutely free. It is going to help you keep on walking by faith and growing spiritually. God bless you. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Duane, congratulations. You are making one of the best decisions of your life. Just like Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv where you can have a copy mailed to you, download it instantly, or check out our audiobook. You can also find all these things on our app. This free book is a great resource as it's full of practical advice and encouragement to help you live a life of faith. Claim your free copy today. Walking by Faith is changing lives and we want you to be a part of it. Your gift will help us continue to produce inspiring content that encourages people to change the way they think and empowers them to use their voice. When you sow into God's kingdom, he will pour out his blessings upon you, just like it says in Malachi 3.10. There are three easy ways to give. Text WBFGIVE to 1-888-364-GIVE. Visit walkingbyfaith.tv give or click on the giving icon in our app. Thank you for your support. Thanks for watching. We love to get to know you better. By scanning this QR code, you can download our app, send us a prayer request, read our weekly devotional, and so much more. To rewatch today's episode with closed captions, you can now find us on Rumble. We pray that today's message helps you walk in God's love for all people. Remember, we love you, God loves you, and we can't wait to see you again next time.